Welcome to the Lost Boys of Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabriel O'Sullivan, and joining me is my co-host and friend, Will Haycox. We are men who have suffered the loss of a child, and this podcast exists to help men who have traveled a same or similar journey. So, good morning, Will. Good morning, Gabe. So, uh, we're going to continue in our series here called True or False, God is Good. And so, why don't you kind of catch us up to date and, and talk to us about where we are. Yeah, guys. I appreciate you being here with us and taking a listen. Uh, we started this series a little while back, and we just really feel like we're in a place, uh, Gabe and I personally, you know, our church, our community, and really the, the country as a whole, that we should just step back and remember God's goodness. And I mean, that's pretty much something you should always do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, particularly with, with everything going on, just there's always craziness, you know, there's always brokenness in the world. And so taking a chance to step back and remember that God is good, God is of order, you know, God is not of chaos. And he does have a plan and we can trust it because he's good. I feel like that was something that we just wanted to kind of bring to the forefront and take a minute to think about ourselves and to share with you. So we talked about a, a few different things and uh, I think the, the main main ideas we covered in the first episode was God as sovereign creator. So we talked about how he creates all things. And just like I said, you know, as sovereign creator, he's in control. You know, he is a God of order, not a God of chaos. You know, ultimately things have purpose and meaning because he's sovereign and because he created. And we kind of discussed that, talked about Genesis one thirty one, And then we talked about uh, God as the as the one who governs unconditional election, which means you know who is chosen to be a believer and who God reveals himself to in a saving way and how we can you know, have confidence that salvation is not based on our merit or anything that we have done or anything we earn, but based on God's goodness and God's love for us. And then we spend some time talking about God's providence, and that's really just talking about how he is in charge of all things and he brings all things to pass by his will by the fact that he permits them and allows them to happen but that as sovereign creator as the one who governs providence he has the ability to turn all things for good and all things can glorify him even things that we don't understand why they happen or don't understand you know how could this happen if god is good We've covered in other episodes that, you know, just because he allows all things in his permissive mil- permissive will doesn't mean that he wants all things to happen or that he intentionally causes you know bad things to happen. But he does promise us that he and his divine will will bring all things to good and he will bring all things to profit us and to bring him glory. So that's kind of a quick outline of where we've been and this time we're going to talk about <clears throat> hope and eternal life. And Gabe just came back from a mission trip and had some personal experiences with some other religions that uh, have different views on that. So I want to throw that over to you, Gabe, and let you get us started. Yeah. So, you know, Jesus was very clear that he said, you know, when, when, I, when I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you where we can come. And so that's, you know, just giving us that assurance, again, that, that he is going to allow us to have eternal life with him if we know him as as savior and if we've repented of our sins and given our lives to him and made him our king and uh 
it's that's not based on anything that we've done. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. You know, it's just based on His grace. Ephesians two, you know, eight through ten talks about how we're saved um, through faith by 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 you know grace through faith, and it's not of yourselves. Uh, meaning that there's nothing that we can do to earn our way into salvation. And so, yeah, we were, um, you know, every other, if you ever look at it, any other belief system, it's about what can you do, right? What can you do to earn God's favor? Uh, can you be good enough? Can you avoid enough sin, you know, for whatever that belief system might call sin? Um is your good going to outweigh your bad? You know, are you going to do enough prayers? You're going to do enough good things. You're going to are you going to even pay enough money, right, yeah. to to get to get there? And so that's uh, the the beauty of following Jesus is he said, "Listen, you're never going to be good enough." Right? Like you you have to rely on my grace and that's where and that's great because he's the God of the universe. So if we allow him to be sufficient for us and understand that that's the only way that we get to earn eternal life, then all of a sudden that takes some pressure off of us because we're not having to worry about, can I be good enough, right? So we were out um, in, in, in uh, Utah last week and talking with some folks in the in the LDS church, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, and, you know, one of their, um, like, one of their tenets of their faith is that um, after we have done enough, God's grace will bring us through. But they put that after we have done enough, mm-hmm. right? So it's like we, we ask people, well, how do you know if you've done enough to then allow God's grace to extend to you? And always their answer was, we don't, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like So there's this pressure of feeling you know that they have to perform that they have to be the best that they have to be one guy he said he said perfect he was like man we're required to be perfect he was like and that's and this is what he said this was his words not mine he said i think that's why there's so much depression drug use and suicide rates among Mm. younger people in the lds community Mm. he said because we have so much pressure that we have to be perfect in order to earn salvation Uh, and that is contrary to scripture. That is not what God's word said. You know, God's word says that it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, right? It is the gift of God, not by works, lest no one can boast. Um, so we have hope in eternal life, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done. And that is very uh, wonderful and peaceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not to camp on that too long or to, to pick on people of other religions but you know I can't imagine that you know like I grew up in a Christian home <clears throat> I wasn't a believer till I was 23 but I can't imagine being told all day long every day you have to be perfect you know or even if let's just say the bar is not even perfect like you have to be 90% perfect so that God can save you, or however they yeah, phrase it. Right? Yeah, that's terrifying. You know, like even as a kid, let's say you know you're a good kid, you're you know whatever, you're not a terrible kid that's burning down houses, and you know you're the bully of the school and all that stuff. You know, you're not an arsonist and what's his name, Sid from Toy Story, doing yeah. all the terrible things. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> you're a normal kid who you know maybe you pick on your brothers or your sisters a little bit, maybe you know you play some pranks at school or you. You know, whatever, you, like, cheat off someone else's homework when you're in sixth grade. Like, 
not great things, but not terrible things. Like, does that mean you're going to hell? Like, mm. is there is there not enough grace from God that he can save you if you tell a little white lie? And so, like, I guess there's just, there's so much baggage with that that we don't even have to worry about. That not to say we're Christians, therefore we can sin. We don't have to be worried about our sin. But to say, you know, we're Christians... And we can look back on our past and know that we've done a lot of bad things, whether they're slightly bad or terrible things. You know, if they're sins, they disqualify us from perfection, which disqualifies us from going to heaven and earning anything on our own merit. And just the fact that that God is good enough to give us grace, give us forgiveness that we don't deserve, that we haven't earned, and, you know, on the opposite side that we have earned every bit of punishment mm-hmm. and judgment that we should get and that we will get if we don't become believers and God is still good enough, merciful enough, loving enough to not just say, all right, you've worked real hard. I'm going to let you in. But to say, you didn't work hard. You worked hard against me, but I'm going to go and send my son who is perfect <clears throat> to down a cross be raised and come back and sit at my right hand and his sacrifice is what is going to cover your punishment mm-hmm. and he has accepted the punishment for you i love you enough to do that for you like mm-hmm. that's a it's a totally different story you know there's so many yeah. people that say you know mormons are just another division of christianity and one that's not true too like how could it be if their story is so like i've got to do all this i've got to earn you know that's just a small part of the theology but i've got to do everything i can to earn salvation and then god can save me and the the true christian gospel is i've done everything i could to earn the hatred of god the wrath of god and the punishment that god should give and instead of hating me and destroying me god sent his son to die for me and and save me so there's couldn't be much different there and i don't know there's there's a lot of goodness of god in sending his son to die for sinners who were his enemies man that's so, so true man mm. why, why don't you jump right into that effectual grace because mm. i think that ties a hundred percent into what we were discussing right there mm-hmm. yeah i mean god's effectual grace means his grace is powerful and able to bring about salvation and this is, you know, related to his goodness and the fact that ensuring salvation is an incredible gift he gives us. And just like I was just talking about, the effectual grace means Jesus' blood covers our sin. And it's not a situation where, uh, again, to go back to the Mormon thing, just because that's what we we're just talking about, it's not, I would assume, from what you just said, you know, Jesus' grace is half as effectual as it is in Christianity, you know, however you want to say that. Like, if if you're saved by the blood of Christ after you've done everything you can, clearly there's some deficit in how God is able to save you, you know, or, or the effectiveness, the effectualness of salvation through Christ and what he has done for us. So the fact that God is not only willing to save us, but he's able to save us and he's already done all the work and all we have to do is submit to him as Lord and Savior. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that makes me think about years ago, one of my friends from high school, she put something on the, the web internet 
about um, some yoga yoga thing she was mm-hmm. doing or some yogi she was following, and mm-hmm. uh, it was you know, and so it made me think about yoga, right? Mm-hmm. So in in that system or that belief system, Hinduism, Buddhism, or whichever you want to ascribe to doing yoga is, I think traditionally Hinduism, but that that is their path that they choose to earn the favor, you know, of Raman, right? Mm-hmm. To to get that um, you know, enlightenment after death and certainly, you know, even even to some extent while they're here. Uh and so it could be a yoga of yoga. Like we think about just mm-hmm. exercise, stretching, like you're putting yourself all in to being athletic, right? Mm-hmm. And and exercise and that's going to be your path or it could be of kindness or good works or it could be um other other things that they write books about that we won't maybe get into on this uh, podcast but um so i said to her i said you know i said uh, i said you know in this situation um it was like she put a picture of like a dude raising his hands, you mm-hmm. know, and I said something to the effect of uh, cr- Christians can 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 raise their hands in praise of God because their yoga has been completed mm-hmm. by Christ or mm-hmm. something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I don't know, something dumb like that. But my point being that, like you just said, like mm-hmm. it's not that we can do or have to do anything other than lay our lives down. Mm-hmm. Like it's just about submission, mm-hmm. right? Just like we see Jesus on the cross with the two thieves beside him, and the one guy's giving him down the road about like, "Hey, bro, if you're the God, why don't you get yourself off this cross and save mm-hmm. us while you're at it?" Mm-hmm. And then the other guy says like, "Hey, remember me today, right? Mm-hmm. When you come into your kingdom." So mm-hmm. he. He lays down his pride. He submits to the fact that this guy is definitely God and my only way to salvation. And so he, mm. he lays his life down on that cross. And what does Jesus say to him? Mm. Right. Jesus, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. So he gives that guy mm. the promise of eternal life mm. through his grace mm. because his grace is being poured out on the cross. And, and you said something about Jesus' blood. Again, when we talk about that, like, other other belief systems may say that that um when I learned last weekend that G- it was Jesus's sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane that was uh, this belief system was saying that that is what atoned for our sin hmm. and that his that him being sent to the cross was kind of like a bummer or an accident and that it didn't even have any effect because hmm. he had already hmm. given his atonement when he bled in the Hmm. garden. We're not saying that. We're saying that Jesus bleeding in the garden was out of sheer exasperation, Hmm. right? It was just a physiological phenomenon because he was so upset about what he knew was coming. Hmm. You know, the cross, but even pre-cross, right? Just the beatings he was going to, the floggings he was going to have to do, the fact he was going to be separated from God, Hmm. you know, and God was going to have to turn his back on him to allow the wrath of his of his anger against sin to be poured out on Jesus. He took on the punishment of the sins of the world. I mean, you're talking about heavy, right? Like, mm-hmm. So that's why he was sweating those drops of blood. It was a physiological phenomenon because of his anguish. But what cleanses us of our sin and what what mm-hmm. gives us the ability to be in God's presence, to have his grace cover us, to be able to have eternal life, 
is the fact that he bled and died on the cross for us, mm-hmm. right? So we just want to make sure that that's clear. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we, we talk about it, we pick up the Mormon church, but, you know, I think there's, I'm no world religion scholar. I, I took some classes on other religions in college, but it's been 10 years now. But I don't know of another, I don't think there is another major religion, I met you some minor religions, that, has a story of salvation like ours like there's every other religion that I can think of you know you mentioned Hinduism and, and Buddhism like every one of these religions Islam and and Judaism like everything is based on you being good enough you following some code you earning your way you know there's religions where you your heart's weighed against a feather and if your heart has enough has so much sin in it that it weighs it down. It weighs more than a feather. Then you're unworthy and you go to hell. I mean, so it's like directly tied on to what have you done in your life that fills your heart with with light and purity or with sin and weight in a negative sense, I guess. And our religion just isn't that way, you know. Like I say, we're not. This isn't the pick on Mormon podcast. This is the pointing out that the true faith, Christianity, is the only religion that we don't have to do anything to earn our salvation and we'll we'll talk about another point here in a minute but that's great cuz we can't earn yeah. our salvation like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter what religion you're part of like you know islam is has been a big one in in western culture for the last 20 years since 911 a lot of people i guess have become at least me you know I'm a child I was 10 years old in 911 so I was it was kind of something that stuck with me and I always had questions about islam but you know, one of the ways that they believe that they can guarantee going to heaven is by you know, committing jihad or holy war, you know, and sacrificing their lives to kill and, I guess, hinder the cause of infidels or people who don't believe what they believe, don't submit to Allah, their their version or understanding of God. And, you know, how, how one, how terrible is that that you have to go kill yourself to become a believer, you know, to be saved. Mm. But another thing, you know, how how terrible, how sad, how cruel of a delusion is that for the devil to to influence and <clears throat> create that religion? Because ultimately, we believe if it's not true religion, it's brought by some false false gospel brought by the devil or one of his demons. And how terrible of a of a perversion of Christianity, of the true faith, is that that not only am I calling you to kill other people, but I'm calling you to kill yourself for holiness in their view. And it's such a twisting of the our, you know, the concept of Imago Day that we are all the image of God, that every person's life is valuable because God breathed life into them. And we are all image bearers of Christ and of God. But this other religion has been deceived into believing the way that you honor God, the way you get to be with God is by destroying other image bearers and destroying yourself. Mm. And so that's, it's incredibly good, incredibly something we can be incredibly thankful for that our God, the true God, the creator, the one who's over all and the one who loves us has already done everything that we need to do or that could be done to save us and we don't have to do something whether it's easy or whether it's hard we don't have to do anything we don't have to rely on ourselves for salvation and that you know and that 
it goes right to the fact that we know that there had to be death in order for us to have salvation, but God allowed himself to be that death, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Mm -hmm. You know, he he didn't, and he said, I come that you might have life and have Mm -hmm. it abundantly, right? Because he knew that his life was going to be taken from him. Mm. right or not taken from him he said i'm gonna lay it down right mm. he, he knew he was gonna lay down his life mm. but obviously the bible also says that for the joy set before him he endured the cross with its pain and its suffering and mm. shame and so because he knew what was on the other side of that right his his eternal glorification because he is god and 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 i think not only that like he knew that he loved us that much that he was willing to go through us go through that for us because mm the joy set before him was that he was going to be able to bring his people, his children, his church into Mm -hmm. his presence. And so that was a joyful thing that Jesus was looking forward to uh, as he was going to be facing the cross, man. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so let's talk about why he, I'm not going to say he had to do that because he's God. He could have just been like, Mm -hmm. y'all are terrible. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I'm wiping you out again. Like Mm -hmm. forget about this. But why God chose to give himself for us. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the concept of total depravity yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, I guess that's a lot of these have been big words or old words, but total depravity essentially means humans are inherently sinful and we're incapable of saving ourselves. And God's goodness shows through the fact that he provided salvation through Jesus Christ despite our fallen state. And I guess to make that even simpler, <clears throat> total depravity is like, a, a guy, I mean, I was going to pick on a shorter guy, but I'm six foot tall. I can't dunk on a 10 foot goal. I cannot. I've, when I've been extremely athletic, I could touch the middle of the, the net, maybe. Like when I'm, when I'm not feeling athletic and I'm feeling heavy and I've gained 20 or 30 pounds, I could barely touch the bottom of the net, if, if at all. So, like, total depravity is me thinking I'm going to dunk on this goal and that's going to set me up for salvation. I don't care. You give me some of those, like, in cartoons, you give me some of those little springy shoes with springs on the bottom <laughs> yeah, of them, you know, yeah. like the magic shoes you can order out of the Cracker Jack box or something. Oh, yeah. Still not dunking on it. Like, you can give me whatever <laughs> artificial thing. I need a ladder. Like, I need something to literally bring me up to the top of that goal, and I can put the ball through it. And in that really terrible analogy, Jesus is the ladder, you know. Like, mm-hmm. he's the only outside force, the only outside thing that allows me to get to that place. And... That that's a silly example, I know, but total depravity just means that you know we are so broken, we are so incapable, like we just talked about earlier, of doing anything for ourselves to earn salvation. That there's it's, it's like the old picture you see in the evangelism tracks. You know, there's like there's two cliffs, and we're standing on one side of the cliff, and over there on the other side of the cliff is God, and being perfect enough to earn our salvation and, you know, getting to heaven and this chasm, you know, it doesn't matter if it's 10 feet wide or if it's 10 million feet wide, like we're not getting from one side to the other. You can't build anything to get from one side to the other. It doesn't matter what you do, how much you scheme or strategize to try to get from one side to the other. There's it's a literal impossibility for us to get over there. And God's goodness shows through that because we find ourselves in the state where we get to the end of that cliff, that cavern, and we can see the other side, and we we can see God, we can see perfection. You know, within all of us is is this emptiness, this longing for 
a creator, longing for something, some purpose, some meaning. So we know there is a real God, there's a real meaning for our life and a creator, but we don't know how to get there. And God's goodness is he's one, he's made it known to us through allowing the Bible to be written down and and passed down for hundreds and thousands of years so that we even know about him. And two, he has, like we've just been talking about, he has provided that path, that bridge, which again, you see in those gospel tracks, you know, you've got the cliff on both sides and there's no way to get over there. And then the cross is laid down over that gap and we can go across the cross and reach God and reach salvation. And that's, again, a silly or cartoonish way to describe what's happening. But Christ is the one who, you know, stood in that gap for us and Mm -hmm. took our punishment. He paid the price you know, however you want to say it, you know, if we were, if we were guilty, and Jesus took our punishment, you know, in a legal sense, and He took our, our the punishment for our crime, and you know, we are now considered innocent because He's the one declared guilty. Or if you want to say, you know, we were sick and unable to be cured, we went to every doctor in the world, there was no cure for what we did. Jesus came and he laid his hand on us and he healed us, wiped that sin, sickness away from us. And now we're able to go to heaven and spend eternal life with him. However you want to view it, the goodness of God shows through total depravity, even though it's a a hard doctrine to think about that, that that humans are incapable of doing anything good in and of ourselves. Jesus is the author of good and and that he is perfect and what he has done has made us have a chance to go and to to live eternally with god uh, yeah man i mean uh, that, again total depravity right like mm-hmm. we got stone cold steve austin would say you got no shot <laughs> right like we had mm-hmm. no shot to to be able to mm-hmm. to get into the presence of God or to mm-hmm. earn his favor or his forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? It's all, and it's, again, that's why we're so thankful for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That's, why we, that's why we sing praise and worship songs, mm-hmm. right? That's why there's a whole catalog of hymns and praise and worship music that is written just mm-hmm. praising God. Not because we have to, but because we get to, because we mm-hmm. want to, right? Because of, because of what he's done for us. And mm-hmm. man, that's just, that's good stuff, dude. What mm-hmm. about covenant faithfulness, man? What is... What in the world does that mean? Yeah, you know, ending on total depravity is kind of a downer, isn't it? Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about there. God's faithfulness, and yeah. then we'll we'll wrap this one up. But yeah, I mean, covenant faithfulness is you know, if we we don't really know a whole lot about covenants. If you're a Christian, you probably heard a lot about covenants. <clears throat> if you're not, or if you're new to church, covenants essentially a promise or you know a pact or like a contract signed between two people, and our beliefs emphasize God's faithfulness. In the fact that he covenants with us at all, you know, you have the historic covenant, like the Abrahamic covenant, where God promised to Abraham, you know, that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars. You know, he promised him that he would bring a great nation out of Abraham, and Abraham and his wife were barren for a significant portion of their lives, and so God covenanted with Abraham that he would not die without an heir. You know, that he would bring great things, and that he would. Save the world through his descendants. And the new covenant is, you know, the fact that Jesus came, he died for us, he, like everything we've been talking about, 
he provided a way for us to come to Christ, to come to God through his sacrifice. And the fact that God is faithful to continue to do that, even though what we just talked about, uh, we, are, we are completely depraved and unable of earning anything ourselves. And we're not worthy of saving, you know, we're, we're not, there's, I've heard theologians say, you know, there is nothing good in man. You know, the only goodness in us comes from God. So it's not like, you know, a lot of people like to think of humans as inherently good people, you know, inherently good beings who, you know, we think pretty good thoughts, you know, we think good of other people. We think good of our significant others and our kids and, it's just, you know, it's the outliers who do bad things, and it's the it's the abnormal that humans hurt each other and, and steal and all this stuff. But that's not true. From a biblical standpoint, humans are inherently evil. God talks about, you know, I think it's in Jeremiah, it talks about the, the heart of man is only evil continually. You know, there's a few verses like that, and I don't remember which one exactly I'm quoting. But it talks about how, you know, the heart of man is evil. You know, who can understand it? The heart of man is deceitful. Who can understand it? You know, that whole idea that in our inner beings, in our hearts, all we want is what's good for us. And that doesn't necessarily mean every single human being wants to go murder his friend and take all that his friend has. But we're going to covet what our friends have. You know, naturally, we're, we want what's not ours. We want obstacles out of our way, whether it's people or you know, taxes or whatever it is. We want to do evil in order to make our lives easier and more comfortable. And God doesn't turn around and say, I know I promised you that, you know, Jesus' death would be good enough for you to go to heaven, but Gabe, Will, you actually really screwed up. You you cheated on this test. You, you know, whatever, you lied about that. You know, one day you took something from your company or you stole this thing that you found lying somewhere in the office. You know, like these, these one little things you did here or there. Sorry, I'm gonna have to go back on that covenant because you're you're especially bad, you know. Like, or like a you know another example. I know, growing up, like there was all this like Charles Manson supposedly claims he become a Christian. You know, like, I've heard that like four or five different times. You know, in my life that like Manson supposedly became a Christian while he was in in uh, jail, and some things I heard from him later in life before he died, like probably not true. But if if Manson, as, as bad as what he did in his whole life, as twisted of an individual as he was, if he truly did submit his life to Christ and ask for forgiveness, he's in heaven. That's hard. That's a completely different concept to talk about. But just to say that, to describe how faithful, how trustworthy God is, that it doesn't matter how much you have screwed up in your life to the you know, nth degree of, of Hitler or Pol Pot or Stalin or some of these, you know, world's worst dictators, God is still faithful despite humans doing incredible acts of, of murder and, you know, everything we can imagine. God still says, my grace is enough. My, my word is my word and I've given it and I'm going to stand by it. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to go through life wondering if, like, I know I read this in the in the Bible that God said, you know, all I have to do is repent and believe. But, you know, is that true? Is he going to decide I'm too bad? Like, we, we have complete and total confidence that our God will do what he says he will do because he's always done what he said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's pretty good. We don't have to worry about God going back on his word.
That's right. You know, Jesus even said of himself, he says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Mm. You know, again, giving us that mm. promise that, you know, the covenant was if God's original covenant, right? was like, follow these laws, you get to be with me, mm. right? Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not doing away with that. I'm just here to fulfill it. And, mm. how, and what does that mean for us? It means that because Jesus is fulfilling that, which is be perfect, earn God's favor, Jesus is perfect. He earned God's favor. And not only that, he then substituted our lives and our, our unperfectness. Mm. He substituted himself for us, mm. right? And he did that mm. by by going to the cross, right? Mm. So that's, we're probably going to get into some type of substitutionary mm. atonement in, in, on the next episode. So make sure that you tune in, mm. which uh, if you're on Facebook Live, that's going to be in just a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're on if you're on uh, YouTube or other, other podcast platforms, then certainly uh, just be checking uh, out episode three when it gets released. So yeah, thank you all for joining us today on the Lost Boys of Found Fathers podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or X. So we're calling it these days. Uh, you can check out my books. Shout out to you, Elon. Yeah, thank you, Elon, for for saving the <laughs> webtoonet by buying by buying that company or and, something, uh, you know, allowing it to be more free. Whatever you did, you know. Yeah, whatever you did, and um, <laughs> and also uh, Tesla's and check are, out Gates Tesla's, books. No, yes, that's where we were going. Sorry, yeah, check yeah, out. No, my, I was gonna say Teslas are cool. Those yeah, cars are cool. Yeah, so. they look cool. Um, and I want the truck, man. When the truck, yeah. like, mm-hmm. I know there's a back order for like. Truck. 40 years or something unfortunately i didn't get my deposit down yeah yeah time, so if you see so. somebody riding around town in a tesla truck it's probably gabe yeah i did i, I wish that'd be awesome <laughs> but yeah so check out my books on uh, uh amazon you can find i will be done with a question mark on the on the end of that uh, trust in god in the midst of suffering pain or loss or every little thing Six Small Steps to Perfect Peace. Uh, mm-hmm. That can be found on Amazon, Apple Books, or BarnesandNoble.com. Mm-hmm. So thanks for joining us today. Let's not be lost. Let's be found in him.